We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of Seahawks Man to Man is presented by OfficialK9.com, the official store of Kenneth Walker III. His store combines the power of Web 2 and Web 3 to allow for fans to purchase new merch drops, digital collectibles, and enter exclusive giveaways. Make sure and peep OfficialK9.com to see all the newest merchandise from Kenneth Walker III and use code Seahawks for 10% off at checkout. Again, use code Seahawks on OfficialK9.com for 10% off Kenneth Walker III's official gear at checkout. Check out the podcast description for more details. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. You can follow me on the tweet machine at Mike Dugar, M I K E D U G A R. I'm verified on there for now. Uh, you know, Musk has come, come for that bill. I don't know if I'm going to pay it. Uh, but anyway, uh, shout out to everyone who's watching us on YouTube. Our subscribers on there, we appreciate the love. Seahawks Man to Man, the Seahawks Man, the number two man, uh, is the channel on YouTube. We appreciate all of that love and support. Chris, holla at him. What is good, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206. And that's CKID206. And all right, we are continuing our pre-draft coverage, gathering experts to talk about um, all these players that Chris and I pretend to be experts about uh, this time of year. We had Nick Bumgarner come on. We had Deontay Lee come on. And now we are completing the holy trinity of NFL draft experts with the homie Nate Tice making his debut to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Nate, how are you? I'm doing very well. I love that. Uh, yeah, the trio, the triumvirate of, yeah. of draft takes. Yeah, that, that's good. No, I'm happy to be on here. I was pretty fired up when uh, I got the message. I feel at home. A couple of Seattle <laughs> boys, you know, this is great. I was born in Bellevue. So even though I was right across the water, man, you good. Yeah, I know. I'm okay. I know. So it's, I get some credibility there, but no, I'm fired up to be here. So thanks for having me on guys. Three Seattle guys uh, recording on Mariners opening day. Um, yeah. Right at that as well. So um, yeah, if you guys aren't familiar with Nate, Nate's, Nate's played the game. He's coached the game. Now he's analyzing the game. He's, he's got it all. He's one of those people who watches the film and is a stats nerd. The love, lovely, love, lovely mix there. And you can catch him on the athletic football show. With Nate, with uh, Robert Mays, they do a great job uh, on there. So yeah, Nate, you're all over the place, man. I'm glad to get your, your debut with us on here. Yeah, I try to be a Renaissance man a little bit. Yeah, the uh, 
plate plate is a loose term i always say that. <laughs> it's a loose term i had uh you know maybe about 50 snaps in my college career but it was a good 50 snaps i made them that's, i made them worthwhile you know that's 50 uh, more than mike and i <laughs> <laughs> uh no but uh it, it's uh, definitely it's funny uh especially on the twitter world where you know nothing truly is real as uh, <laughs> and, and i i will get sometimes to uh, typecasted as the film guy or mm-hmm. a film type of guy former coach type of guy and when i was in the nfl circles I was the nerd and the stat guy and the number guy <laughs> and just can't find a place, man. Like Earl sweatshirt had a line about this and this is how I feel about it. It's like, I can't find my place that matches perfectly for what I want to do. So <laughs> I, I feel like media is somewhere I can bridge both like kind of interest that I have the right and left brain that I got going on. Uh, and I, I think I told you this at the combine, Nate, one of my favorite kind of like illustrations of like how tough it is to find that space on social media is I forget who you'll know which running back you were comparing to James Conner and someone quote tweeted you and was like, this guy doesn't know shit or anything or media just be talking. And you were, you quote tweeted and was like, I coached James Conner at Pitt. <laughs> yes. yes. It was uh Najee Harris. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's who it is. Oh my God. People got upset. And then now this past year, I think they were playing each other or something. Everyone's like, man, these two are just alike, you know, James Conner. <laughs> like, God dang it. I, my mentions, I at least got the dunk on somebody and they, and that guy tried to tweet through it too. I had people DM me and go, do you see that guy's follow-up tweets? He was not bad backing down on it so uh yeah once once in a while i i always hide especially initially i had a forrest gump picture as my profile picture i had nothing about like i was a coach player or anything like that because i never tweeted before i'd have a couple tweets about the mariners or anything Mm -hmm. like that or the timberwolves you know i'm a timberwolves fan but that was just about it and so i kind of would use that to bait people kind of like when people would try to get after me on something and i knew what i not go, I, I don't want to sound like this, but I knew what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was kind of just bait people and set the trap because I didn't have like the you know you'll see some people be like they they have their whole resume right of like they they play they would say like eight year NFL vet and then you look at their history and it's like yeah you were on practice squad five for five of those years. <laughs> <laughs> so were you really a vet? I don't know, but yeah, I, I see that a little bit uh, happen on Twitter sometimes. Uh, it's it's interesting having you on here. You you. you... Where uh, you were on the same college team as Russell Wilson, and yeah. we're having you on to talk about uh, in, uh, for a section here a Seahawks quarterback, and it's not Russ. Uh, actually, we are here. We are here to talk about uh, Geno Smith uh, and some other quarterbacks. Uh, AKA King Gene is the nickname he's got on this podcast after he played last year. Uh, you were one of those people last year. Um, I never like mentioned this to you, but like, so I'm, I, I watch a lot of film. Chris does too, and like, we'll tweet out some clips, and I'll tweet out some clips. And I'm, I'll think it's a great clip and I don't really say it. I'll just put it out like, oh, woo, or nice or something very generic. Yeah. And then like later you'll do it. And I'm like, yes, I didn't know <laughs> what the fuck I was looking at because Nate loved that clip too. Like, so I, you had oh, every year I was, or every week I was like, yes, Nate's just validating that I kind of am getting the hang of this film watch and particularly with, with Gino. So let's, let's start with him. When you did watch the tape of his first season as a starter with the Seahawks, um, what, what would you highlight uh, as the reasons he was so effective last season? He's a big game hunter and I, and does it within the realm of the offense and not, he pushes the ball and pushes what the offense is asking for him. And I mean that in a very complimentary sense. And if you, there's a kind of, I would say an epidemic with some college quarterbacks that come out. And I know Gino has been a longtime veteran is that a lot of concepts will be a high low. And, and this is a, a term. I, it's just a drop a lot of concepts in the buckets. There's dozens of these kind of ones, some on the outside, some on the inside, but he always tries to attack the high. 
And you'll see a lot of quarterbacks that's like low, 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 low. I ain't trying. No, I'm not trying. I'm I'm gonna get on base and get a, I'll get a walk or a single. Gino's swing for the fences. He's going for doubles. He's going for home runs. But it's not a dumb way. It's controlled aggression, and that's what I, I love watching Gino play. And I mean, I I was optimistic. I he exceeded all expectations, obviously, of how he played last year. I was optimistic because what I've seen in Gino in the past. But he'll do stuff. And this is the play that's burning in my brain is against the Chargers was they would be in empty formations. And rather than nickel and diming or just taking the cheapy go ball throw, which is very easy for a quarterback to do, to just throw it down the field. And you'll see Russ do this sometimes. That's kind of good and bad of Russ. Gino was hanging in the pocket and finding those intermediate areas, which is really hard to do out of empty, out of five-man protection where everybody, you don't have a lot of time to go quickly go one to two to three. And he's doing it. And I just, I, I thought Gino was just, it, it does a lot of things well as an athlete and moving the pocket, but it just stands strong and attacks down the field. So when you have a decent offensive line and good weapons, magic happens <laughs> when you have a guy willing to throw to those weapons. Like there's so many, so much frustration with quarterbacks that are, you know, will just, they'll say, I'll take the safe answer. And Gino's just always pushing the envelope. And I think that's what's awesome. I, I, I appreciate his game. It's a type of quarterback that I like. Uh, in general, big, strong, athletic, and also can just fire that pigskin <laughs> like that. That is a, that's the type of guy that I'm a sucker for. And he's that in spades. And I think he played exceptionally well last year. And I'm excited to watch him in this offense this year. That that is I'm glad you mentioned the Chargers game. That was one of the examples where I think I think their first play of the game is out of empty. Um, and he hangs in there and hits Will Disley, I believe. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. Like their first play. I'm regushing over that. And me and Chris have done like film breakdowns every Friday's. Uh, now during the season, I think Chris, my play was from was like an empty, wasn't it? Like a, a incompletion. It might like, be that play. <laughs> it was like an incompletion to Noah that he just fired in there. It was a great ball. Noah uh, dropped it, of course. Yeah, I think I think towards the end zone. I just remember thinking like, he'll do that. I, yeah, I think, <laughs> and I think like you posted. I think Mina might have been posted the same clip, and I was just like, yes, yes, the world, the world uh, <laughs> is seeing this. Uh, and no. one of the things that's come up with Gino, obviously, since he got paid, even before he got paid, is like. How much of that, what he was able to do last year, is sustainable? Like whether you should pay him or not. Um, as someone who's yet looked at the film, looked at the numbers of Gino, watched him for a while, uh, is the way that he was effective last year something that can carry over year to year, even after defense is kind of maybe can quote unquote catch up to what he was able to do in 2022? Yeah, I, I think it is. It's that offense is not gimmicky. It is very real. Not a lot of cheapies and and what I say easy buttons. Um, you watch a. I'm not trying to knock the guy, but Jalen Hurts and what the Eagles offense does. There's a lot of screens. There's a lot of design QB runs. There's a lot of stuff that makes you get a lot of cheap yardage out of it, where it's not a lot of effort mentally or physically for the quarterback. Hey, let's just catch the ball and throw it out there. Go AJ Brown. Like, you know, that's a lot of fun. Gino doesn't get to do a lot of that. It's very down the field, which means that the hard stuff he's already doing. So that means if you make it easier and you do do more of the cheapy stuff or the talent around them gets even better, which I think that's an underrated thing with the Seahawks team is just crushing that draft and getting two bonafide, what I think, plus-plus tackles on rookie contracts that are only going to get better. And that's going to unlock so much for this offense. So I think it's very much sustainable because they're only going to add on the same offense coordinator. you know. So they're only going to – what they built on, they go, okay, we like those plays for Geno. Drop out the ones we didn't like with him. And which is which is emphasize what he was good at. Oh, oh, look what the what the Chiefs were doing, and then cherry pick other ideas that they maybe have to drop in. 
and they're not losing their pass catchers. They're only going to add on to it. Uh, mm -hmm. I, they have just Kenneth Walker coming back. I, it's like I think this is very much sustainable, and I actually think they take another half leap forward this next year. I, I, I'm very, I'm very optimistic on the Seahawks. I, I really am because the defense can't get worse. Uh, so, um, and I, I, I think they find they're going to find their identity, and I think this is a top eight offense, like easy, and like not even squinting, saying that like, oh, they're going to surprise some people. I think it's like I, I'd be, I'm surprised that people don't think that already. And I, I think this offense is going to be better, and it's because of Geno, because he's going to unlock how good these these players are and what they ask him. With how Geno played last season, and obviously Mike mentioned the fact that teams will have tape on him for a full year, and things obviously will change week to week for him. Did he show you enough, based on last year, where you are willing to pass on a C.J. Stroud, a Bryce Young, if they were available at number five overall, if you were running things for the Seahawks? I This is very easy for me to say as I'm sitting here in Las Vegas wearing a backwards <laughs> hat and a T-shirt. I think that they're in a prime position to take a guy. I think mm -hmm. you don't get many opportunities where you're not having to drop a new guy in. You also have Gino who has... I have never met Gino, I've never talked to him, but I know you guys have interactions with him. Mm -hmm. Seems he's a team first mindset and understands kind of the, that game. Like he's competitive and everything, but for getting a rookie in there, if they did have a rookie and they have to share a QB room, I do think that he kind of won't be a negative detriment to that. There's a mm -hmm. lot of quarterbacks that can be, no, this is my turf. Look at every quarterback that got dropped in with Big Ben. He shat on him. And just like, you know, just wouldn't even let them get reps. Wouldn't let like just anybody. It didn't matter who got dropped in there. He was not letting them get to their full success. I think with the Seahawks where they're at, they can choose whatever path they want to go on as far as quarterback or any other position. And it makes sense for what the, I think this timeline is. I think they're in a very unique position the uh, this season uh, because I think the NFC is wide open. So if they want to push the envelope this year, I get it. But if they also want to take this opportunity with a top five pick in a class where they might get a legit dude and have the the possibility of him be able to sit, get reps, learn the NFL, like that's a very unique situation where it can make a lot of sense. I mean, it, it's it's that's why I think personally, I think it's a good opportunity, especially if a guy like Anthony Richardson's there. Like, I think that is there's no, a, not a better situation, him or the, uh, the Seahawks or the Lions, to take a guy like that. And that way you have your bridge to the future and can really end with the great circumstances around them. So bridging to the future in that regard, who would you take? Would it be Richardson? Would it be CJ? Who would you have your money on to come in and to your point, I guess, learn from Gino and take the reins from here maybe next year or the year after that? I think Stroud would be gone. <laughs> so I think that's maybe in my head and my, my head canon that I'm already like not picturing that he'll be there, but uh, I Stroud is my QB one. Uh, but I'm a huge, huge fan of Anthony Richardson, and he's more like a 1B to me or a 2. And again, this is me sitting in my backwards hat my office in Las Vegas, <laughs> and I can say this. Oh, yeah, take a home run swing on him. It's easy. But for a guy like Richardson, who I do think is more developed and mentally advanced and he's been getting credit for, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves talking about these QBs, but uh, as a guy that has more to him already, like I think he'll be ready to start way quicker than people realize. Um, he has more advanced parts of his game doing the quarterback stuff but i still think he does need time and reps and good circumstances around him like all these guys do that's the guy i would be like if he's there that'd be really really hard to to pass up that opportunity for what i think could be as much as i like gino as much as i like a lot of the guys 
could be a true, true needle mover at the position where I'm talking about how Seahawks have a great circumstances right now. You know how the NFL is. It comes and goes. Mm -hmm. it, it can, you know, NFL stands for not for long. That's everything. That's every aspect of the NFL. Now you have a guy that could truly carry your team in tough stretches. That's what I think Anthony Richardson's potential could be. So I think that's perfect. And we'll get a little bit more to Anthony a little yeah. later. We'll talk about all the other got top five guys. They're kind of used the big four, but I'm like, a, I'll throw Hendon in there later. We'll talk about him, uh, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee as well. Um, but to, to kind of contextualize what you mentioned and how like unique the position is, like the Seahawks, this is their, this is going to be Pete and John's 14th draft together, which in, in itself is crazy. Um, yes. this, this will only be the third time they have a top 10 pick. Um, and it's and it's not even really their pick. It's from Denver. Yeah. Um, and the other time they had a top 10 pick, uh, they had pick nine. Uh, they picked, took Charles Cross. That was Denver's pick as well. Um, that year they had pick 10, which became Garrett Wilson. Um, and then I think they had Russell Okung who took with the sixth pick in 2010, which again wasn't their pick. That was from the Jim Mora team. Um, so with Pete Carroll as the coach and John Snyder as the GM, pretty much the Seahawks can count on not sucking enough to be in the top 10. Right. Which is fun. That's fun yeah, to be a Seahawks right. fan. <laughs> That's the, oh, that's, a good that's position great. to be in. <laughs> it, it, but it just puts it in perspective, like you said, how rare this is. Yeah. Um, it's that's basically one year that Peaches coach Peter's coached where they were a top ten team in the draft. I mean, that was the year that their quarterback broke his finger. Right? So it really just shows you how tough it is for Pete Carroll's team to stink. Um, which again, yeah. yeah, it's great. You know, Pittsburgh has the same quote unquote dilemma. Uh, yeah. I guess that's how you want to put it with with Mike Tomlin, no losing seasons in umpteenth years. Um, so let's let's get and see some of these quarterbacks. Uh, one by one. Why is start with CJ since you say he's QB one for you? What 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 does CJ display that kind of separates him from the the rest of the big four, big five in this group for you? He to me he's clean. He does a, a lot well, and there's not like that true negative to his game board. That's 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 a good thing. Uh, I also think that he has. Having said that, and the typical term you hear with CJ Stroud is he has a high floor, but I which I agree with. But I also think he has a higher ceiling than people have given him credit for. This dude's coming out as a retro sophomore, uh, you know, two-year starter, got better each year as a starter, which is, I think, a huge – for any type of player, you want to see him get better, but especially quarterback as they get more reps and they learn from their negatives and, and just keep coming along, that he has way more of a ceiling that people give him credit for, can grow into his frame. He's about 215, 218 right now. I think he can get to that 230 size like easily because he's, he's kind of longer – like he kind of has a wide shoulders. Like, I don't know this. I hate talking about body types like this, but it's, <laughs> but he really does have a frame that he can grow into and, and get, and get to that level where I think it's like, you can withstand the hits. I, I have a big thing with quarterback weights, which I know we'll talk about in a second with a different yes, guy. Well, with the very next uh, guy, actually, yeah. yeah. Um, but Stroud is, he's accurate and he has underrated arm strength. It's not the Josh Allen of the world or even Mahomes or anything like that or Herbert, but it's good. Like sits at good uh, and, and not, and can, Sometimes he can drive those throws. The Northwestern game is the one that stands out to me, which was a game that he quote unquote struggled in, but it was really Northwestern's coaches were all over Ohio state's offense. And it was also like a 50 mile an hour wind game. Mm. And he's driving on throws there and easy driving. And I, I said this on our podcast, it was not like Baker Mayfield where it, He's putting his whole body into it to throw it as hard as he can. It looked easy, but you could tell he's trying to like cut through the wind. And also he's willing to push the ball. He's willing to throw intermediate. He's willing to throw short. He's willing to throw over the middle. He can make all the throws. Does he have help with his offensive line and his receivers? Marvin Harrison Jr. should be a top five pick next year. He's freaking amazing. But yes, yeah, he has all that help, but he makes the most of it. Everything's on time. Um, his eyes are good. The times, the knock on him is that he doesn't create 
a lot, but it's not like he can't hit the game. Northwestern game in that second half when again, Northwestern was all over their offense. He's they started doing QB run stuff and he took over. He scrambled and took over the Georgia game is the one that everyone talks about in the playoffs. He was the best player on the field. And, and that's when you're taking a guy, that's what you want <laughs> in the biggest moments. Does the quarterback look like the best player on the field? And he checked that box and people say, Oh, that's one game. He kind of, there's some good, there's a positive in being boring at quarterback. We, uh, the thing with Mahomes is everyone's going to remember the trick shots and the crazy plays and the behind the back stuff and underhand Mahomes will have stretches where it's almost boring. Like, cause he is, he doesn't miss. And it's just seven yard gain, 12 yard gain, eight yard gain, six yard gain, five yard gain. And then it's the trick shot. And everyone's like, wow, look at that highlight. Oh, Mahomes is just trick shots. It's like, yeah, but he also nailed the last six completions and avoided two sacks. Stroud can kind of do that boringness. And I think that's where some people have kind of underrated him in, in that in that regard. But he just does a lot of things well. And I, I just the the negatives with him is that he had a good circumstances. His pocket movement is okay at this point, but it's gotten better because he's had nice, clean pockets. Ohio State has two first-round tackles this year. Um, but I, I just really – he's just clean to me you know, with more upside than people have given him credit for and accuracy and enough arm strength. That stuff carries over to the next level with good eyes. There's there's just a really – there's a lot to like with his game. Yeah, I was, uh, I was watching the Georgia defense versus Ohio State offense, like that cut up – or not yeah. cut up, just that file – uh, mostly to look at Jalen Carter. Um, sure. And then I'm texting some, the person who sent me the the, the file, like, whoa, I think the Seahawks should take CJ Stroud. Yeah. Uh, now I just know he won't. This was uh, before he threw at the combine or anything. I was just like, they should take this guy. He's very yeah. good. And then uh, if I know people usually tank for quarterbacks, but yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr. is <laughs> – oh, my God. I know. That, 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 that's a special dude. Uh, let, yeah. Mention the QB weights. So that, that's a perfect transition into Bryce Young, yeah. um, who I joked with someone on the Seahawks staff because um, I think he – when he met with them at the combine, I'm pretty sure he was two, He was at a 204 or 208, one of the two. And then one of the people who had met with him joked like, He's probably going to be 188 <laughs> at his at his pro day, and then I don't think he even weighed in. Uh, no. Yeah, actually, he didn't. It didn't run. He just just threw. Bryce is getting great advice uh, pre-draft. Yes, uh, he is. Great, great, fantastic advice. Um, so, how how concerning is how much Bryce weighs at the next level for you? It, it it's incredibly concerning. <laughs> um, I I first of all, I want to put this in before I start getting into the negatives with this. Is that he's a baller. Like he is a he is a football player. And uh, that's why it sucks that I have to harp on this weight so much, but he would be a true, true historical outlier. Mm. Um, even sub 210 is worrisome for quarterbacks, unless you're a freak wow. athlete. Um, the the historical, like I did a study, this was before Zach Wilson, and this was because Zach Wilson had a lot of water weight. And he was 212, and it was like, uh, Zach, you're, and I was told that he was more like 198, 200. Oof. Is quarterbacks under 210, the only historical successes were Lamar, Mike Vick, who uh, two of the greatest running quarterbacks of all time, and Mark Bulger, just a random, <laughs> random one to throw in there. Six, but he was a six round pick, so not a first rounder. And so Bryce Young, who I think it was a yeah, 202, 204, whatever it was at the combine, I'm going to trust what they weighed him at Alabama because usually those college weights are already fudged a little bit up. So they said he was 192. Yeah, I'm going to guess that's his actual weight. And the fact right. that he at the pro day he didn't weigh in, um, the last. Uh, first round uh, quarterback in the first round that weighed under 210 or 200, I'm sorry, was Jim McMahon in 1982. Oh, my goodness. Uh, wow. The last quarterback under 200 or to 
way under 200 to go in the first three rounds was Pat White in 2009. Uh, it's a true, true historical outlier. And yes, outliers exist. Devontae Smith, no one has been built like him. I mean, maybe Tory Holt or, uh, or I'm sorry, not Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce. Um, they're like, there's not a lot of those guys that can, that can come around like that, but that's why there's not a lot of them. Um, having said all that young is mentally sharper than I would, I thought going in, he thrives in chaos ball, but he handles all the pre-snap protections. He handles all the checks in an Alabama offense that was, had a lot of pro elements to it. Uh, he can throw over the middle, which a lot of shorter guys have issues with, as you guys had experience with as Seahawks fans for the last decade, <laughs> right. um, throwing, yeah. throwing between five and 20 yards in between the hashes or in between the numbers is really hard. If you're a shorter quarterback, it's just, it's just true. Um, that's why also like Gino, he's willing to throw over those hard areas of the field. Uh, but he's willing to do it at times. He can be, he's tough as hell. He, I mean, he truly makes his teammates better, but he's not like, I've seen some comparisons to Kyler. He's doesn't have Kyler's arm strength. He doesn't have Kyler's quickness. Or, or running ability, uh, but he can throw that, you know, he's good arm strength and he could throw on the move and he will operate from the pocket when he can. Sometimes though, when that pocket gets tight or he doesn't see it right away, he can be a hair late on the throw and he'll get whacked. And people are like, wow, that's tough. That's good. And it's like, yeah, it's good, but he can save himself a hit if, if yep. he got rid of the ball on time. And so that I go back and forth with them because I appreciate the player and everything, but he would not be the one I bet on because it's just, it, you're betting on a lot of outcomes. Like, yes, all, uh, the draft's a crapshoot. It, it's, but there's better bets at the craft table than, you know, like there's, I'm not right. going to bet on yo coming every single time or, you know, hard six coming every single time, but sometimes it does come up. And I think that's what he is. It's just a hard bet to make, even if I appreciate the player. Yeah, no, standing in there and making the tough throws when you get whacked is admirable until you take one like week 13 and you're out for four for a month because you got bruised ribs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he took seven of them in a row and they're like, wow, man, he carried him to the game. And then that guy's not practicing for, for two weeks because of what just happened. Yeah, uh, make me think of some of the hits Mike White took towards the end of the year for the Oh, Jets. my God. Oh, he, I think it was the oh Bills game. He just was getting destroyed. Well, that's even like Kirk Cousins. Like, is, Kirk's not a perfect quarterback or anything. The one thing he is, though, is tough. And you reminded me when they played the Jets, it, it was like a snuff film. Like, he he got hit like 15 times where I was like, mm. why go down, stay down, stay Tell down, <laughs> stay down. Man. You're not going to feel good tomorrow. <laughs> so, stay wow. down. All right. Let's, um, let's talk about AR, Anthony Richardson, perhaps the most polarizing prospect so far. In the draft, depending on where you think Jalen Carter falls on that. But of the quarterbacks, it's certainly certainly Anthony, uh, 6'4", 244. I actually got that weight wrong when I was talking to someone <clears throat> uh, via text on the Seahawks staff. They were like, no, no. I said 232, and they text back, like, no, 244. Mm. They're like, get get this right. This kid is freaking huge. Yeah. Um, and the discourse has become all over the place. Buzzwords like raw prospect – or, excuse me, project – um, which you could kind of apply to just about any kid in the yes. draft when they're 21. You can apply it to most humans in the world when they're 21. <laughs> they're, yes. they're just a, just a project. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and with Anthony, there's a bunch of other critiques that fall at different yeah. points in the fairness spectrum. But uh, let's you're, you're, you're our resident now AR truther. Um, yeah. So what what's the truth about the strengths and the weaknesses of Anthony Richardson? I had somebody in my replies calling him Tony Rich. 
And I, I like that a lot. Good to see another Tony Rich truther. And I was like, Tony Rich. And I was like, oh, got it. It took me a sec. I was like, I was like, is this like, who is this guy? Is he on the flight <laughs> logs? Like, <laughs> um, but no, it, with Anthony Richardson, it's, I mean, obviously the athletic gifts are truly rare. I mean, truly one of a kind, you know, we're one of one, we're talking about historical outliers. This is the positive sense. But the thing with him is that that project label has been slapped on him and you watch him and again, talk about what Bryce Young handling protections and making changes at the line. Anthony Richardson's doing the exact same thing in an offense that has a lot of pro elements to it, shifting a lot of guys, a lot of wordiness to their offense. So he can handle huddling and controlling the line of scrimmage and moving guys to the right spot. I think that he has that he's more advanced in that aspect than anyone's given credit for. Um, now there's kind of some, some guys that are actually watching him and seeing this as opposed to just like, you know, regurgitating talking points. And that's where I watch this guy and it, it blows my mind. I've watched a couple of games. I'm like, how's this guy getting like getting slapped as a project? I get like, he's not perfect. And it's, this is weird. Um, accuracy concerns. I don't see him because this is a very aggressive offense. They push. I mean, remember early Russell Wilson offenses with the Seahawks where everything was down the field, play mm-hmm. uh, like the stuff that he's fought against that not wanting to do. That's how Florida's offense was. Everything's down the field. He had one of the highest a dots, you know, average, average depth of targets of anybody. They don't run a lot. I talk about easy buttons. They, they don't run any screens. I've watched six guys <laughs> games. Of this. I watched six games. I can count on. I think I've seen two screens. They barely throw RPOs. They barely throw a quick game. So that completion percentage, that's why I don't look into that as much as other people have because of what they're asking them to do. Completion percentage can be fudged. Mm-hmm. Uh, weight, weight can't. <laughs> so right. that's where, you know, the right, like you, you are what you weigh, uh, like completion percentage. Like, if I have to throw 30 balls down the field, 20 yards down the field, yeah, I'm only going to complete one out of three. Like that's just, it's just math. Like that's just how the game works. And so I think that accuracy, I see him throwing guys open. They're covered. He's throwing them away from defenders. He's, um, he has timing. He, is he perfect with the timing? Not always. He's inconsistent, but he, he shows that he's always trying to do the right thing, which speaks to me that it's like, he gets it. He understands what it is to be a quarterback and he's getting slapped as just an athlete and all that. And there's, you know, undertones. I'm dead serious. When I hear those things, and I watch him play. I'm like, so you're saying this about this guy, but why not Will Levis? Like, you know, okay. That's a little weird to me. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm watching this guy and I'm like, this guy, he's advanced and, and yeah, he's only, but he's only had 12, 13 starts. So he's going to get better. If he played another year. Oh my God. Like he's, he would improve by leaps and bounds. That's why I'm willing to take a bet on this guy. And that, and also just other parts of the game, like the timing, he finds check downs when he has to, he operates within the realm of the offense. He'll throw the ball away. He doesn't do any of the, his eyes are always up and attacking down the field. Like when he moves in the pocket, he has advanced pocket movement. It's a little too bouncy. Like he's a little too athletic sometimes where you kind of want to be like, Hey, don't, you don't have to jump six feet over, just jump two <laughs> feet over. <laughs> It'll help his timing out. But that that's fixable. That is, there's so much, this guy you can't coach. And I know everyone's like throwing out the Josh Allen comparisons and all this. It, it, he's his own prospect, but he is way further along than people have kind of like given him credit for. That's why I, I keep watching another game of this guy. Like I watched another game to this morning. So game seven, I guess against Mizzou. And again, I'm just like, you guys kidding me? Like this, this guy is, this guy's a quarterback who also is just a rare, rare athlete. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I know this probably won't correlate all too well, but this kind of reminds me of Tariq Woolen when he was drafted by the Seahawks. Fifth round pick. Oh, he's raw. He's a project. He won't be a starter. And training camp starts, and he lights it up, and they're thinking, wow, the kid is actually putting everything together. I think we can start on week one. And I'm not saying that's a similar scenario with AR, but in the same stance, it's it's right there for for a team to take this guy. And if he comes in and – gets the grasp of the game quickly and understand yeah. what he needs to do. You talked about, hey, you don't need to jump six feet to your left and right, yes. man. Just get comfortable with it. It's easy thing to fix. Then, my goodness, whoever lands this guy is going to be loving everything they get with him. But let's say the Seahawks do draft him or for any team. How or what type of plan should they go in to help this kid be the best he can be and help this team maybe to a Super Bowl or a playoff push? Mm-hmm. What does it take? So say like say the Seahawks draft him and almost certainly he would sit a whole year, you know, mm-hmm. behind Gino this year. It would be a lot of just footwork stuff and just calming him down. And uh, like I said, he has stuff, the toughness, the the eyes down the field, that stuff is very real. That's another thing, like talking about Zach Wilson, was that his eyes always came down, even Malik Willis last year. And I've seen people try and compare. They're like, this is what everyone was talking about with Malik Willis with Anthony Richardson. It's like, no, they weren't. Malik Willis, they ran the easiest offense I've ever seen in my life. They ran <laughs> two, two routes. He was guessing on which way to go. He's like, that was a project. That mm-hmm. was a true, true, just tools project, not a quarterback. Then I watched Richardson. It'd be calm his feet down. Like we're talking about, don't jump too far. Just, he just needs reps. That's all it is. And that, that comes just with time. Again, these guys are coming out in the draft so early, so young, a redshirt sophomore again. And like, that's, it's not a lot of live bullets that he's played with where it's like the timing and practice timing and drills to practice to the game. It just gets faster and faster. And then from college to the NFL, of course, but he does the things that it, it, I'd rather have my guy be too aggressive too down the field, too bouncy than the opposite way than be a coward and mm. be not an athlete. He does the things that I can tone down and coach as opposed to like, Hey man, keep those eyes up. Hey, make sure you tack down the field. Like, please, like, please do that. <laughs> like with the Richardson, it's the opposite. It's like, okay, let's chill you out. Find a check down. That's, but that's so much easier to coach. That's why I think that with his tools and from what, by all accounts, seems like a great dude, seems like a hard worker. Uh, I've, I've learned, I just watching him on film seems sharp because of what he handles pre-snap. It's like, so really it's just more just reps, calming down his footwork just a little bit, getting more consistent, but I mean, I, I just think that it's an easier bet. It's not as uh, risky of a bet that maybe going into this process that I thought it was. Another quarterback that's being talked about is Will Levis. And there definitely is a difference between 2021 
Will Levis and 2022. Which version will an NFL team be getting? Hell, let's just throw the Seahawks in there, for example. <laughs> right. It's probably more than 2021. Uh, uh, he had the worst situation of all these guys last year. Um, he got no help with play calling, pass catchers, offensive line. We talk about toughness. All four of these dudes, too, I, I want to uh, say is that they're all tough, and that matters because, like we talked about, hits add up, standing mm -hmm. strong in the pocket. It's The worst thing that ever happened is when a quarterback's eyes start coming down because they're feeling the rush. It's You have to maneuver with your eyes staying down the field and feel the rush as opposed to looking at the rush because you can't do both. Um, and he So he's tough because he already proved in spades. That guy... I mean, he looked like Johnny Knoxville back there, like just taking just I mean, his helmet. I mean, I felt bad for him at times like uh, it really did because it was like he was taking clean shots. Um, but with Levis is one of the prettiest throwers of the football I've seen in a while. As far as motion, he has a really quick motion. He throws a nice spiral. He can push the ball. He's willing to push the ball at times, plays a little robotic um, where you can see the coaching points. He's trying to do them onto the field, but that's not always natural. Uh, a good athlete, like good, tough athlete can legit run all the design runs, um, that, you know, that you want a modern quarterback to do terrible vision though. Uh, he, he, this guy, yeah, he does not read blocks that well. He's like a magnet for contact, even when he's running the ball. So that, but he can do it, which I do think matters because that helps all these guys have floor. That's another thing with Richardson is that like his floor is going to be high because you can just have this guy run a dozen times and then we'll figure <laughs> out the throwing stuff. But, uh, with Levis can do that as well. I think the. The one thing that is in his uh, credit to him is that as he's getting tackled or hit in a tight pocket, he'll find ways to get rid of the ball and find ways to check it down. And that's very translatable to the NFL because the pockets are tighter. Everything's quicker. Everything's harder. Um, CJ Stroud probably had the best pockets. Richardson had some nice pockets to operate out of. Levis did not. Uh, like they're just terrible pockets and but that translates because now he's used to it so if he gets a better situation might help he's not a clean total clean prospect he's the oldest of these guys he's only two months younger than justin fields or three months younger than justin fields oh, wow. um yeah so it's like and he still has some project to him quote unquote so you know if you're saying that you want him to sit a year it's like okay then he's not starting till he's 25 and is, is that the end all be all? No, but it is a negative. You know, it is something that you do have to take into account, especially with comparing them to a bunch of guys that just could start drinking, you know, <laughs> and then like, seriously. So that that's a big difference, you know, just like anybody with, with their growth, but I do like him. I have the, I still have a first round grade on him as I, I'm gushing about all the other guys. I, I, I still like him, but I just have a little bit more alarm bells with him and how he plays and how the streakiness of his game and whether you can hone it is. I do think he has traits that you can hone in though. Oh man, I'm, I'm sold on Anthony Richardson out of those. Out of those yeah. four we went through, that's just oh, that, so special. And I think the Seahawks, I think we can probably all agree like because he doesn't, whenever he does play, I think Pete Carroll is so tr his track record with guys. It's just getting stronger and stronger with quarterbacks. I was talking about that with some of the homies earlier today. It was just like, go back to college and yep. now we've seen the best version of three different NFL quarterbacks with Tavares in 2011. That was the best version of Tavares. We've obviously seen the best version of Russ with Pete. Saw the best version of Gino with Pete. Like Pete gets the benefit of the doubt with me uh, now when it comes to quarterbacks. And you really, get, the all players. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> honestly, the only one that's a little has been a little tricky is some linemen. Some linemen have left. Yeah. Um, and that may be more about Tom Cable than it is. I was just about to say, but I, yeah, <laughs> I know you guys have a lot of scars probably with Tom Cable. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's, but I've had some linemen just specifically tell me that in the past. It's like, yeah, nah, I, 
there's a reason that like a guy you get like a guy like Lewinsky or something like that, which seemed unplayable in Seattle and goes to the Colts and is like, fine. Um, yeah. And there's been, there's been some, there's been some other ones too, but yeah, Pete gets the benefit of the doubt, not just because of the players and stuff around him, you know, Anthony wouldn't necessarily be throwing to Tyler and DK forever or right. something like that. Players, players change, but like who, who's telling you, who's coaching you up. That would be consistent. here. So I'm, I'm, I'm in on it now. I'm, I'm throwing it at five. There we go. There we it, go. It's an ideal situation for him, him in uh, Seattle or Detroit. It, it really yeah. is. I do think he, it's like, like number one pick isn't out of the realm. That's just me. That's just a private take, but also where the Panthers are at as a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I think they have a strong offensive line, great play caller, decent enough weapons and a great defense that that would be a decent and Andy Dalton as a backup. So that's not like a terrible situation, Um, but that's no, not terrible. It's actually a good situation, but that's where, I don't think the NFL uh, aligns with that. Oh yeah. Let's take a home run swing right away. You know, I think they'll play a little bit safer with those picks, but I I'm more comfortable with him as a top, a legit top five guy, not squinting anymore, as opposed to like, yeah, I understand the toolbox. It's like, no, the toolbox are pretty polished uh, more than people have given credit for. Yeah. And that, that run, how fast he can run. is just, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, he's I mean, built like a defensive end. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a, uh, I think Will Blackman had a tweet today kind of saying he could play both. He could rush the passer. And Quandre was Quandre replied to him. Quandre Diggs was like, yeah, yeah. if we take him, we're going to have him learn from G for a year and then become Micah Parsons. He's Otani. <laughs> yeah, he's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's His, his football's Otani. That's exactly oh, what he is. I know. Uh, oh, speaking of James Cotter, that's his freshman year at Pitt. Uh, we had him as a, a designated pass rusher. And like the bowl game and stuff. <laughs> I I, I've tweeted it. I'll tweet it out. I'll retweet it today. But it's yeah. Uh, so it was him and Aaron Donald rushing the passer against wow. Brian Green. Oh, it's hilarious. And he was good. Like he was legit good at it. Like that's what we recruited him at Pitt as. We're like, we're like, tell me he's a running back. He's gonna be a DN in no time. And then we gave him a, <laughs> we gave him a week at running back. We're like, all right, let's get let's design some touches for this dude. <laughs> wow. This guy actually might be legit. So yeah, but wow. that's that's a true story. He was he came into Pitt as a designated pass rusher that ended up staying at running back. I could do a whole pod. We won't do it. Today. I could do a whole podcast, Nate. I'm a big guy on. I know everyone can't do it, but I just would love to see more guys play be two ways um, in the NFL. Just just for guilty pleasure. The Chris Gamble. Know. The Chris Gamble pod. <laughs> <laughs> like I just, I just think that it would be. It's again. It's for my pleasure. I know it wouldn't make their careers longer. I don't even know if it would make them more money, but it'd just be fun. It would it be. Would, it would just be so fun. I did a story in, in 2019. I want to say where I asked everyone in the Seahawks locker room if they could switch positions. What position would they switch to? And I ran all of their answers just verbatim. And then just the guys who said they would switch to defense just got me thinking. It was just like the offensive guys who said they would switch. It would, and and vice versa. Like DK, I think said an edge rusher, and I was like, yeah, yeah. sign <laughs> sign me up, sign me up yeah. for that. Jadavian Clowney actually said said safety, but just even that switch, just he he said safety so I could kill someone. That's I'm pretty sure that's I have to find the story. I'm pretty sure that's what he said. I'm really PR staff, not tracks. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I've always wanted to see Cam Newton as a DN. Just uh, (laughs) uh, oh my god, I think he was amazing. (laughs) Cam Newton is one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen in my life. I want to see him at every position. I don't think Jordan Brooks was on the team at the time, but I I think he was a running back in high school. Um, oh, he's, yeah. he, he's mentioned that to me before. And like his, his aesthetic is just so beautiful that I would just love to see him carry the boys got the sleeve, the visor. Yeah. Oh, I would. Well, that I would. was clowny. Clowny as a running back in high school was like, wow. uh, like unstoppable. Like he it, like ran for like 30 touchdowns or something. It's, it's <laughs> so hilarious. He was, he was Derek Henry before Derek Henry in high school. <laughs> oh, look it up. You could, there's still, they're still on YouTube, man. He is, I mean, it, he's so much, cause he's, you remember he's so straight line fast. 
That's yeah. like as soon as they tossed him the ball, he got a crease. Is you know, it's the kid that hit puberty early against everybody else. <laughs> you know, just everybody else is jumping trying to tackle him, and he's just running past everybody. It was the best. All right, let's get it. Let's get into one more quarterback before we switch to tight ends. I want to talk about them too because I have a I have a I have a draft crush that I want you to talk me out of um, at okay. tight end. But I want to talk about headed hooker real fast because um, some Seahawks fans, um, understandably, are like, all right, Mike, our defense stinks, so let's use five and twenty on defense. And then maybe we can get like hooker later or something like that develop. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I kind of, I kind of hear you. Cause the defense was not, was not good last year. Uh, but one critique of hooker um, so far, uh, other than just being an older prospect coming off of a blown knee, just like independent of that. Other than that. Yeah. Other than, <laughs> other, other than that. Um, play Mrs. Lincoln. He <laughs> <laughs> to put up really, he put up really good numbers. Um, but the, the offense he played in has been under fire a little bit. Um, how do you separate the numbers he put up? In the system in which he put them up um, and project what type of player he can be at the next level. It, it's hard for me. I'll, I'll straight up just start with this. I have a, like a fourth, fifth round grade on hooker. So <laughs> I I'm a little, I am a little lower on him for reasons you mentioned, age, the injury and stuff. Um, that offense is college football has a lot of fake offenses and that is a, that is a fake offense. Uh, it's <laughs> just, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's hard because you, uh, there's there. I mean, he throws a beautiful deep ball. He does. Um, he, he's an, I would say he's an above average thrower of the ball. I would say he's an above average athlete as a runner and, and design run stuff and scrambling. Um, I would say his pocket movement is, eh, uh, it, it's cause he doesn't, he's not asked to do that. He's asked to do the same exact drop back every single time. Um, he doesn't handle protections and play changes, oh, which even though some people like this past week, I'm like, Oh my God, he handles everything. I've watched that offense. I'm like, they, they go into quick, like out, what, what checks is he making? They look at the sideline. Um, that offense is hard. It is hard to translate. So the plays you do try to translate on is when he is in rhythm, when he's throwing, he does, he can push the ball intermediate. He can push the ball deep, um, short accuracy. Richardson's gone dogged for this, but I, I've been kind of curious why no one has talked about with Hooker. I think he sprays a lot of balls, some gimmies that are given to him in that offense, a little too much for my liking. Um, I think when you're taking a guy in the first round, and I know you're talking about both sides of your mouth because Levis sprays balls too, but Levis is getting clotheslined every play. Hooker's <laughs> operating with clean pockets and throwing it and spraying it. A guy, a ball's just getting away from him. And that's fine. Guys, Richardson has sprays. All these guys have sprays. It's just you're not everyone's perfect. But there's just too much of that. It's you know more than one or two a game. It's a half dozen, eight times a game. Um, that offense because of the they take advantage of the college hashes being wider and these wide, wide splits is they just run a lot of these switch plays where the receivers are switch releasing and they'll have an inbreaker and there will be nobody within ten yards of the receiver. And that's not like it's not like Hooker like is telling like thanks defense like hey thanks for helping me with my draft stock. It's just it's a byproduct of that offense. He is given a lot of really easy throws. Even if they are down the field, they are relatively easy compared to what other guys have to throw on those. A dig route in the Ohio State offense that Stroud throws is different than a dig route that Richardson throws that's different than what Hooker throws. Um, Richardson's will be off a of play action. Stroud will be off a deep seven-step drop back. And then Hooker's is off of, he just stands there, statue in the pocket, and waits for the guy to read on a break route and then throws it. And it's that's where my reservations are is that that's going to be hard to adapt to the next level. There's going to be more of a growing pains than I think people have realized with that because of just the terminology in the offense, the types of throws he has to make. A lot of it are three man routes 
not even getting all the guys in the field where he has to read a high low or re go one to two to three. Um, so there's just a lot of fakeness that you have to kind of wash out and the translatable reps aren't as impressive maybe to me, not to say, I, I don't think like, I know I sound like I'm crushing him. Not to, not to say like, this guy's terrible. He should never step on the field. I just think he's more of like a high end backup type. Mm. And that's why the first round hype has kind of been like, Ooh, that's scary. Uh, that's really, really scary for me. Um, if you took this guy, even in the second, I, that's a little rich for me, but I understand what teams looking at, or even in the third, third round is kind of like the sweet spot for him. Um, but obviously with all the public hype that's happened, the media hype, obviously some teams like him, uh, right. but there's just a lot of alarm bells when I watch him uh, and uh, stuff that translates on top of being like the same age as Quinn and Williams, mm. you know, like, cool. you know, he's, he's an older guy. <laughs> um, so like he's coming off a knee, say he sits for a year. He's going to be 26 in his first year starting if he has to sit out this year. So it's, that, there's just a lot of alarm bells. Oof, that is, I know, that's, I know, I know, right. That's tough. I know. I know. It's a laundry list and I do like him. He seems like a good dude, but it's just, yeah, try to be realistic with this. That's why we have you on to give us the whole truth and <laughs> being honest. I want to, of course, get into the tight ends because you are helping us in that regard, doing quarterbacks and tight ends, double duty. So we appreciate it. Of course. The Seahawks need a tight end. It's I'll go through it real quick. Kobe Parkinson, Noah Fant, they're on expiring deals. And then you have Will Disley who his deal ends in 2024, but he's also injured. And the time of him returning, that's up in the air. With that being said, two guys stood out to me, and they could be available round two, 37th pick, and what is it, 52nd pick overall as well. And I'm talking about Darnell Washington or Tucker Kraft out of South Dakota. Who do you like and who do you think fits more with what the Seahawks want to do? Oh man, both do. Uh, they, I really like both of those guys, especially in the range that you're talking about. Um, Tucker Craft has been my kind of like, I, I'm very bullish on him. I, I think his best football is ahead of him. He, that guy, I went to a high school of like 50 kids in South Dakota. And like, you know, <laughs> and like, you know, he is, and then going to South Coast Day where they're well coached, but he's still learning how to play football. He, yeah. he, he's a toolsy guy. Uh, but I think what, especially when he came back from injury this past year, uh, really at first I was kind of, I was like, man, I thought he'd be better as a blocker. And I'm kind of like, Oh man, I want to see, you have to project a lot with blocking, especially with tight ends. But I thought I was going to see a little more. He comes back from injury. And once they hit the playoffs and end of the season, I was like, Oh, there it is. And he's truly burying, not would say burying guys, but moving guys off the line of scrimmage. He's athletic with, I mean, legit size. I think he's 255 um, and, and long arms and just does a lot of things. Well, but he is more of a project that's going to take some time. Most tight ends are, but I, I really like his game because I think he has an all round aspect of the game. He could be a Y where he is in line, helping out the tackle on double teams, blocking a D end can legit do that day one. No, but I think, you know, year two and, and beyond. Yeah. He'll be able to do that on top of being a good athlete. He's a smooth athlete. Like he is just a natural, like he just carries you. You, you, you watch him, he's 255, 258. He runs like he's 230. Like you don't, even though he's built like a square, like he, he actually, he just moves really well. He's a fluid athlete with good hands. Um, not a great ball tracker. Like when the ball's in the air, I don't think this guy ever played baseball. He might've, but you know, like there's, there's not a lot of really good ball tracking. I don't think he played outfield, um, but he is, he does have good hands, reliable hands. So I think he could be a great like auxiliary target early, early on in his career and just with room to grow. And then Washington is, you know, the freak of freaks. <laughs> uh, just, I mean, I mean, ridiculous. Uh, he, 
has gotten a little overrated as a blocker right now. Everyone's acting like he'll step in day one and just like be burying guys. He's going to, he has, again, all these tight ends really hard. He has room that he needs to grow as a blocker, but his potential there is like being the guy, like the top three blocking tight end on top of being a legit weapon. Most true wide tight ends, like his body type, aren't great pass catchers, or they they get their two targets a game and they finish the season with 230 yards and a couple of those joke touchdowns, you know, like the heavy play action touchdowns near the red zone. Um, Washington, though, has upside of being kind of like a, a third weapon in an offense. I don't think he'll ever be that true number one, like, you know, Kittle, not especially not Kelsey, but a guy that's kind of like a two way guy. But he's going to be, if the ball goes his way, you're like, okay, cool. We're fine with that. And on top of being a plus plus blocker. So I think he has, especially just all those athletic traits. And I might be underselling him. Like that's just me being kind of like trying to be like midline projection. He has still so much more to him. You don't know what he's going to do with coaching, but like a true freak at the position. And one of my philosophies at tight end and both of these guys apply is you just draft the biggest, fastest, strongest dude and hope it works out. <laughs> that's <laughs> Honestly, that's my philosophy of tight ends. Just hopefully you have a good coach that can figure it out because it's such a hard <laughs> position. <laughs> it really is. And both of those guys check those boxes, though. Earlier this month, you wrote a really cool piece stating what makes this class so impressive. So for our listeners, our viewers that maybe didn't get a chance to check that out, please go do so. But if you can give a little taste as to what makes this class so impressive to you. Yeah, those those two is a good example. There's a lot of different flavors. Usually there's only one, two kind of uh, tight ends that you take in the first two rounds or like a second round type. That's typically the numbers. This class has even just like modest projections like Dane Brugler from The Athletic. I think he has seven tight ends in his top 100. Ooh, uh, I, I believe that's where those last count. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah said he had 11 guys with first three round <laughs> grades, which was a little rich for me. Uh, but really legitimately like seven is the number, which would be, I think the record is seven in the mm. top 100. How many tight ends go or first three rounds tight ends go uh, seven or eight. I can't remember, but it, this class might match that. There's a lot of guys that are useful and not squinting useful where I talked about all these guys being usually a guy like Darnell Washington is uh, okay. You look at that. Look at all these traits. Wow. This guy only caught five balls in his college career. It's like, you know, they actually have some production to them. Like there's some realness. It's not theory with these guys. And I think that's what makes it cool. Um, a guy like Luke Musgrave from Oregon State, who's barely played at all because he's battled injury history. He is a special mover. Like he is like he has star potential, which is crazy. Like that guy might be tight end one in most classes. And then we look at this class and it's like he's five. You know, he wow. might be six, four. Like there's just a lot of flavors that you like. So. Um, you got different positions. I don't know if you want me to touch on all of them, but different guys, there's the Ys, which are hard to find. There's the Fs, which is the move tight end. There's true pass catcher types that can be like mismatches. So that's what makes it cool is that not only there's the a lot of them, but there's a lot of kind of useful players at with different types of roles. I love how you use flavors. I'm going to stick with that. So shout out yeah. to Nate on that one. I'm, I'm talking flavors. I'm shouting out Nate on that one. <laughs> oh. I have I have two Nate, I have two draft crushes first round guys that I have I've been hesitant to mock to Seattle for like fear of retribution from Seahawks Twitter, um, which once you, once you get your 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 mock draft screenshot into Seahawks Twitter world if it's bad it's gonna travel um, or if you're just being crazy because <laughs> oh, uh, I can't always source because sometimes I'll hear something from someone in the building and then I'll mock it but I can't always put that you know you got right. to be careful when I when I there's choose. a game to play man <laughs> yeah exactly um, but so 
uh, two. I have two in the first round that I have not mocked yet, but I would love to. One of them is Alabama safety Brian Branch. I'm just like I'm, I'm all over that for for several reasons. I just love it. But we won't talk about him. My other one is Michael Mayer. I'm like I have yet to mock him to the Seahawks at 20 because I feel like I'll get yelled at. But Nate, am I crazy for loving this guy for the Seahawks at 20? Not, nope. not crazy at all. Uh, <laughs> and right in that range is I'm very comfortable. That's as soon as kind of about pick. 14 happens yeah that's michael mayer range uh just good at everything it's then that's what i mean i talk about big you go with the biggest fastest athletic guys at a position i think because all these other guys have been such overwhelming freaks that ever, he's kind of gotten even though his film is just pretty like he's <laughs> like he's he's just like a smooth athlete like he with bursts he's strong does everything well. Notre Dame was lining him up all over the place. They're running wide receiver screens for him. And then on the next play, he has to block at the end. And then the next play, he's in the slot. Next play, he's in the backfield lead blocking. That's like I, the term I always use. That's useful. So like the, his talk about floor, like I, I think no matter what, this guy is going to play a long time because it's kind of like, how can he not? <laughs> he's smart. He catches everything. He's got great, strong hands. Um, I know that's kind of been the knockout. Oh, he doesn't create separation, which has always been, I, I roll my eyes at like Drake London didn't create separation last year at receiver, but it's because the USC quarterbacks were throwing it three seconds late. So it's like, yeah, when he burned a guy, DBs could catch up. Uh, but my, uh, I mean, Myers just like, he's a clean prospect. We talk about Stroud and just being clean. That's how that's my is how I feel about that with the, with the tight end position, because, I, I like him a lot and at 20, especially he has um, he's kind of gotten underrated as an athlete and slightly overrated as a blocker, but that's not to say that he's a bad blocker. He's good. And, but I think people are going like, Oh my God, this guy's amazing. Still has room to grow there, but he can like, there's nothing where I'm like, Oh no, he can never do that. Uh, it's mostly technique stuff. No, but I I'm a big fan of his too. He's my tight end one. And I think with a bullet, like I think it's, there's a half step above the other guys as deep as this class is. I, I love it when someone. I just need someone there with me on the on it. Right. When I roll when I when I go with it because I, I think he'll be a spoiler, guys. He'll be on my next mock. I'm, I'm probably sure. Twenty. The, uh, probably a twenty. Maybe I'll trade back. I'll get fancy, but I think uh, <laughs> I, I'm not, when my, he's on my Seahawks big board too. And I quoted Nate actually in it. And the line from that tight end piece that Chris mentioned earlier, it's the line that says he will be a quarterback's best friend on underneath and intermediate routes. Yes. Um, and that's what the Seahawks are looking for. That they're not. That's not like. A secret. They've been saying it publicly. It's why they drafted. Uh, it's why they've invested in some wide receiver threes or just a third weapon. Even Noah Fant, like they're looking for it. it doesn't yeah. have to be a receiver. It could be a uh, tight end, as we talked about to open the show. Like Gino will hit you there um, yes. if 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 you're there. And it's just oh yeah, he's and he has the juice to stretch it. It's not like he. It, it's I, I know people are acting like he's like this big slow lumbering guy because he didn't run a four four. And it's like uh, I watched this guy on film. He bursts out of breaks. Like so, when he's breaking on a route, he comes out of it. And that shows to me athleticism. That's balance. That's burst. That's explosiveness. And he catches everything. And so, like you said, like I'm glad to use that line or, or uh, co like copy and paste that line because I that's exactly what he is. Is he going to be your number? Is he going to be Travis Kelsey? Like, no, no one is. But is he going to be if he's your number three option in your passing attack? Oh my God! It's like that means you have a great offense. Like he can eat those eighty targets, and like you're like, yeah, good. Like that, all of them are like they're going for first downs or going for positive plays. That he just makes the most of everything. I no, I I'm a big big fan. I I love the fit too with Seahawks with the Seahawks because I think I've thought they needed to come like a big jumbo slot guy. Like with Mayer is that he can move all over the formation. He could be that for you. Like he can be he can go in the middle and split out 
and run the short intermediate routes. And then you have Locke and DK working deeper behind him. And that's a great kind of high low to work with. No, I love the fit. <laughs> oh man, I've already now now I know I'm gonna get yelled. Let's say if I mock Anthony Richardson and then Michael Mayer, then I just took no defensive guys in the first Nate round. Nate Tice approved. Juice up. <laughs> I'm, I'm an offensive guy. Let's juice it up. Let's go. Yeah, let's race. just score 30 a night. You know, fine. I was gonna say race to 40. Let's do it. <laughs> oh <laughs> man, new NBA, that new NBA scoring. You know that they do with the the countdown method. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Uh, what's it that's called? Gonna be every Seahawks game. I know. It, I can't remember off the top of my it, head. Was it Chris the Ephus ending or something like that? I something. think so. Yeah. It's, no, like that's, that. that's the pitch. It's the Ephus pitch. pitch. Yeah. Elam. Okay. The Elam. Elam yes. Elam ending. Elam that's the Seahawks yeah. offense. Started with yeah. the knee. I knew. Yeah, <laughs> I knew I, I was on it. I, so yeah, that I'm gonna do it. I'm just. I might throw a line in there in my mock drafts. Like guys, I'm not alone here. Nate Tice would do the same thing. <laughs> just, I'm all about it. All just about put it. it in there. I got. I got one more. I one more. Drafting two D linemen first round though. Sorry to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think my last mock had Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, which I felt I felt great about too. Yeah. Know? I was I, like, I've watched the Seahawks defense and I'm just like, yes, yeah. take plug you know, them in. <laughs> they don't have any noses right now either. So if they took uh Kalijah Kansi or, you know, Mozzie Smith or something, that probably make, makes sense too. Um, one, one more tight end guy got here. And I'm not going to lie. Part of this is probably just me being like, he went to Iowa and he's a tight end. So draft him. Uh, yeah. Especially if, because I know it's probably eating at John Snyder, not taking um, George Kittle. Like it's just it's just gotta be still eating at him. A lot of, a lot of GMs. <laughs> and then to have to face him every you know twice a year, three yeah. times last year. George's career high in receiving yards because I guess the Seahawks is like 180. Um, so like he's he's just torched these guys. Um, and I'm talking about the Iowa tight end Sam Laporta. Um, like I don't I wouldn't do this at 20, guys. Let's throw it out here. <laughs> after that, though, you know, day three like around, Mike. They're not day three. They have three, they have three picks on day two. I, I'm I'm liking this guy, Nate. Are are you with me on that one too? And if so, why? Big fan, a uh, huge fan. Uh, that was a guy I thought I was going to be able to kind of keep as like my sleeper for everything. And it's like he tested so well that everyone's like now all over him. And I'm like, yeah, God dang it! Uh, <laughs> but he, I, I love him. I the term again. I, I'm just like fourth time on this pod. I even use the term, but useful is exactly what he is. He does so much well um that he's a good blocker even if he can't always get the job done just because he's of size is that he's going to be useful as a blocker so it's like if that and that matters because that's how many re- it's all about how many snaps you can play and and be on the field for any position that's why quarterback is valuable mm-hmm. and offensive line is valuable you're on the field every freaking snap <laughs> that's why corner is valuable you're on the field every snap and and you can't you can't get sub out. It's like, oh, we don't like this matchup. Sub out, sub out the offense, sub out the right guard. Okay, yeah, <laughs> you can't do that. Um, but at tight end, guys, uh, I think people get fascinated about the guys that are just these receiver-only types. Uh, you know, they're just, oh, look at the mismatch and all he does. Well, their coaches are going to have to hide them because then if you want to do the more heavier personnel stuff where you're running the ball or even doing some asking a tight end to block, you have to, like, really work at hiding the guy. Oh, we can't run behind him because he'll get his ass kicked. Uh, we have mm-hmm. to pull him and all that. Laporta though is, uh, I sound like a, uh, he's a good blocker. It's just sometimes he loses physically, but as a receiver, he can create yards after the catch. Um, he's a good athlete. He's good hands. He's tough as hell. I I'm a huge fan of this game. Uh, if you can't tell, I, I think as a, as soon as you're getting past, you're getting into that middle of the second round. I think then you're starting to get into that comfort zone with him. Um, I kind of had like a late second, early third round grade. So that's that's exactly where I look at him. I think he's he's going to be useful forever. Like whoever drafts him, he'll play special teams early on if you're not comfortable with him playing yet. But he's smart. 
He's athletic. He good hands. He's a good route runner, which is also huge too. But I mean, same that discussion I just had with Mayer about, oh, you want to find that kind of jumbo slot type. He can do that and, and run some underneath stout stuff and also pick up yards after the catch. No, but I, I'm right there with you. A uh, huge, huge fan of his game. And I, I think he's going to be a good pro. Oh, You're two man. for two, Mike. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> those are the guys I like. <laughs> the, the, we, we'll, we might think of a better title for the podcast once this releases, but right now the headline's probably going to be Nate Tice confirms Michael Sean's priors. That's just. <laughs> oh, yeah, be odd. Just, yeah. Me your, just text me your prior, all the ones that you want. I'll be like, oh, okay, okay, we'll talk about these three because then we can, uh, can concur with everything. Which it helps because I think, because, you know, me and Chris are Washington State grads and, and we had Deontay to talk about the front seven. He, yeah. he broke my heart about Deion Henley. Um, he was very honest about him. It's just like, it's not a good fit. And he broke down why. And yeah. I listened back to the pod and I was like, fuck, he's right. Damn it. Because uh, I, I just, I just want, they, they took Abe Lucas last year. I'm like, yep, you guys are on and get some more Cougs in here. I'm like, all right, you need inside backer. Take Dayon, and I'm just like, ah, no, Deontay's probably right. Like, it stinks, take, right? Take Drew Sanders, you know, Hell, I put him as a pass rusher, man. See if he can get quick with it, and he, it's, it's not going to work edge. out. Yeah, it's a reality. It stinks. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like 225 pounds. And it's just like, yeah, you can play at that. But like, I was just talking to John Snyder the other day, and he was talking about how important like being a take on guy is for the linebackers yeah. and their and their scheme. And I was not to say Dayon can't, but it's just like that is a little tougher when you're 225. Exactly, um, and you're a converted receiver, so I was like, ah, god damn it! It's like, so I don't always get my prize confirmed on the show, but today, <laughs> it was it's good. your day. Yeah, today. Just tight ends, useful yeah. tight ends is your. That's exactly what I'm going to like too, man. <laughs> so that was perfect. Well, and I'll, I don't have the number in front of me, but the Seahawks, I'm pretty sure, led the league in total snaps in 13 personnel last year. If, if yeah. they were either one or They're two, there. yeah. Yep. So they the percentage and total snaps. So like, the getting tight ends is like a useful. There we go. Using this useful. Yeah, yep. Like, they're going to line up in 13 personnel and then throw it out of empty. Yep. yep. That's the, what I play. I used Chris. They had a 13 personnel play where they went empty and threw yeah. it like, okay, Shane Waldron, you sick bastard. I yeah. love you. You get the, but that's the thing. If you do that with Laporta, even if they go 12 and the defense matches with base with three linebackers or, or a three, four, then you get Laporta on a linebacker. He's going to eat them up. Like they, they, they're not gonna be able to stick with him. Like that's, that's good. <laughs> That's like, if you can have a, a, especially with a creative offensive coordinator who actually understands that stuff, it's like, that's just a toy. Like that's yep. so much fun to work with. And that's exactly what he can do. Uh, Chris, we got anyone else when I asked about, we can get Nate out of here. Nah, man, that was great. Thank you, Nate. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks. That was a lot of fun. Uh, make sure you guys check out Nate. He, he writes for the athletic, but follow him on Twitter too. You'll just be a smarter like football fan. Uh, if you do that, and you may also just fall in love with like any Minnesota sports teams or the Mariners, if you do that uh, as well. Right. So, you know, go ahead there. Uh, make sure you check out Nate uh, also on the athletic football show with Robert Mays, man. It's like, it's, I love our podcast, but Nate, with Nate and uh, Robert got over there, they're, they're kicking ass. So make sure you got to check that out as well. Nate, you want to plug anything else? Twitter stories you got coming, anything else before we let you go? Not too much. That's all. I go, go, go Mariners. That's all I got. You know, I think opening day today, I think it's gonna be a fun year. So that's all I got other than that. Yeah. If you like succession memes, you know, gifts and, <laughs> and, re and wrestling references, then I'm, I'm your guy on top of once in a while talking about which run scheme, like the chargers are leaning into and why it sucks. So, so that, that's, that's what my Twitter, Twitter timeline is usually consists of. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Nate, for joining us on the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Thank you all for watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, The Athletic, Oriosa, Apple, everywhere. We just appreciate the love and support. Uh, that completes our trio of athletic draft experts with Deontay, Nick, and Nate. 
Uh, thank you all three of you guys. I don't know if you are here, but shout out to all you guys. Great work. Make me feel like I know who what the hell I'm talking about when I do draft stuff. I know Chris is a smarter uh, draft analyst because of you guys as well. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you guys next time. On that note, we're out. You see, I don't have to drive me. You can say that for your mama. Maybe you should smoke some. Man, try the marijuana. I was never you good. The vibe was straight. Shows you a couple of things and they finish changed. I treated you right. Everything was a gift from a time to your bag and a color on your lip. Yeah, you're your Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.